As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and I am solo again this week, and I am thinking maybe we start like some sort of a petition or a GoFundMe or like heavy, heavy peer pressure um, for the athletic and the hockey vertical so that we can free up some of Rich Hammond's time um, so that he can jump back on here with me more regularly. Um, we miss him. Um, I'll have Stu Jackson on here, um, in a couple weeks and that's going to be really fun. He is always so great. And I thank him profusely for, um, helping me out with this, uh, a little bit this year. You guys have been really kind, uh, when I'm doing these solo shows <laughs> because, uh, man, do I feel awkward. Woohoo. Um, okay. But you guys know, um, I'm fresh off the plane from Baltimore. I, um, I spent, the last week on the East Coast working on a couple of projects and covered the Rams remotely and then went to Baltimore on uh, Saturday morning and uh, saw probably one of the best football games I've ever seen in person. Um, Obviously not fun at the end if you're a Rams fan, but like we'll get to in a minute, this is one of those where I think you can really see what you want to see from a game like this. And from what it seems like to me, someone in my comment section at my column at theathletic.com said, basically, amazing game, horrible way to lose. Um, I think that pretty much probably sums it up actually better than my actual column did. So kudos to you. Do Please do not take my job. But Unless you were under a rock, you know that the Rams lost to the Ravens on a walk-off punt return touchdown on Sunday night in overtime. They went toe-to-toe with the number one seed as of now, which I think, you know, good shot of staying that way. Ravens MVP candidate Lamar Jackson, um, one of the best defenses in the league, a top two defense in the league. Um, The Rams have faced top top two, top five defenses. Um, over the last two weeks and and fared pretty well. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But um, obviously, this was, um, I want to say it was equal parts exhilarating and also a rock fight and also a really weird game in some ways. We had a safety with a kicked ball out of the back of the end zone on purpose because Aaron Donald was, was chasing after it and 
Lamar Jackson made the the sound business decision there. We had some crazy Lamar Jackson plays. We had some crazy Matthew Stafford plays. This really was a game where in the late minutes of the fourth quarter, the quarterbacks took over, the receivers showed up. It just was really, objectively speaking, if you didn't have a dog in this fight, um, this was absolutely um, an exhilarating football game to watch. I think one of the better games we've seen all season. And it's it's wild if you were, um, like, let's say you had spent, like, let's say you were Han Soloed, right? And you just came out of the Carbonite and you watched this Rams team the last two weeks, there's no way you think they're six and seven. This is like a playoff team with like the worst record <laughs> I've seen. Um, and obviously that record, they've still got a shot at the playoffs, but obviously that record might come back to bite them a little bit at the end of the season. Um, but this, the last, really the last three, four, the last four weeks, and especially against these defenses, the last two weeks, I, I have to say, if you're a Rams fan, even with the loss this week, you probably are feeling, um, Maybe after the rage cools, you're probably feeling good about kind of the 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 production that you're seeing from this group, um, and also just the overall fight that they have in them. This has now become a team, and, and you hear this chatter around the league that nobody wants to play this team, and I think that's like the highest compliment that you could probably have as a team in December, especially. So, like I said, still a glimmer of the playoffs here. Um, obviously, less so than if they would have won yesterday. Um, but it, it's funny. I, I can't give you a full, per, a real percentage. I can give you kind of maybe a range a little bit later in the week when some of those things settle down. I think there's a, some stakes included in Monday night's game, uh, Packers giants, but it's interesting because have you guys noticed every site you go to, there's a different algorithm for deciding this. So like ESPN has one, um, the New York times has another one. It's fun. You can fill in little bubbles and stuff, and then it'll like show you graphs and percentage changes and all of that. Um, the athletic has one Austin mock does one, um, other sites have them and, and they kind of all seem to come up with a different result. So I'm kind of like, are we using different math or someone smarter than me explain why there is such a range of, uh, potential outcomes here when it's, you're trying to arrive at the same conclusion. Um, that's probably beside the point. There's still a shot here. A lot of things have to go right. Um, in terms of other teams and the Rams, of course, have to do their part in winning at least these next couple of games. They've got the commanders coming up. They've got the saints coming up. Um, they've got the 49ers coming up, which, uh, that that'll be interesting at the end of the year to kind of see how that goes. Um, they've got the giants, obviously that's their last, uh, or excuse me, their second to last road game. They're pretty far road game at the end of the year. And then they're on the road in San Francisco too. And, and you kind of don't know what San Fran's going to do that week. It's, it's a little far out to project. You don't really know because they'll, they're probably, I mean, right now they're playing for the bye and you don't, you know, you never know how they will manage their roster at that point in terms of who's active and who's not with an eye, you know, on the weeks ahead of them in the postseason. So kind of going to be interesting how these next four weeks play out. I'm excited. This team is really fun to watch, really fun to cover. They're never boring. Um, interesting stuff. Okay, let's get to it. Injury updates from Sean McVay. I, we just got off the press conference with him. Um, it is Monday evening when I'm recording this. Again, I'm solo. I'm a little bitter about it. Please <laughs> uh, accept my uh, apologies if I am awkward. Uh, I am completely gassed out and, uh, I tend to ramble as you guys know, and, and, uh, give me a lot of grace for, um, I tend to ramble when I'm, uh, when I'm fatigued. So just, you know, 
brace yourselves. <laughs> um, okay, so Sean McVay said that Hunter Long has a season-ending MCL tear. He's going to need surgery. He's out for the rest of the year, obviously. Um, that was that was a hard moment to watch Sunday. He was carted off the field. He was obviously distraught. Um, Hunter Long, I, I get that the fan base is is disappointed in in the terms of the Jalen Ramsey return on that trade, but you can't deny that Hunter Long has worked really hard to get back on the field and and showed some promise these last couple of weeks when he finally was activated off injured, injured reserve. He really was, especially um, in, in some of these blocking concepts that they were installing with with Hunter Long and with Davis Allen. Um, he was really playing very very well um, and. You saw potential there. He certainly has the size, and so this is tough. Um, you know, the Rams will try again with with him next year and kind of see how it goes. And then right tackle Rob Havenstein, he left yesterday's game. He left Sunday's game. Um, they announced it as a hip injury. Um, today they're calling it a groin strain. So he's day-to-day through the week. Sean McVay said that he tried to come back in the game, but they wanted to be careful with it. Joe Nopum, I thought, played really well in his absence. So um, it, it wasn't a worst, worst case scenario either way. Um, Tutu Atwell is in the concussion protocol. So that means he'll be day to day as he progresses through the steps of the protocol. Long snapper, this, this is one to watch actually. Long snapper Alex Ward has a stinger. So He's seeing a specialist early this week, so um, the Rams are kind of waiting for information on that. That's potentially significant. Um, the Rams had a tight end who could long snap on their roster at one point. Right now, his name is escaping me, but um, they had like an emergency long snapper last year. I'm not sure who that player is this year, but usually it's like a tight end or a lineman, um, sort of a, a deep reserve player. So we'll kind of see how that goes. In positive news... Quentin Lake, who's been dealing with the hamstring, is expected back this week. Tyler Higby, who's been dealing with a neck stinger, is also expected back this week. So the Rams' active tight ends, if Tyler comes back, are going to be Davis Allen, who had a great game on Sunday. I think 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, One drop, but I think we'll get to it in a minute. I think considering the circumstances of what happened before and during and after the play, um, you could probably forgive him for that. And shows a lot of potential in the run game as well. Himself, Tyler Higby, and Bryson Hopkins would be the three active tight ends or the three available tight ends. I don't know if all three will be activated, but the three available tight ends if Tyler does come back this week. Um, So let's get into it. This was, like I said, this was the most... I wrote this in my column. I'm paraphrasing myself here, but I say, you know, this is the most many things are true at the same time game that I've seen. Um, I mean, it was, it, it, it was an explosive game. There was a lot of production from the Rams offense. Then all of a sudden there was just this total clash against the defense and sort of the, that third quarter, just both sides were just, like I said, that was the rock fight part. Um, there was, uh, the, the Ravens got some explosive plays, against the Rams defense. That was uh, probably the the main issue with the defense on Sunday night. That other than those explosive touchdowns, um, it was uh, every Ravens touchdown was an explosive play. And so there were three, let's see, there were three touchdowns and all of them happened off of either the Ravens made an incredible play or there was a breakdown in, in the secondary. Um, the one that I think really was the backbreaker was that third and 17 that came uh, out of that really weirdly overly long delay 
um, at one minute and 28 seconds left. That was at that point, because there were nine lead changes throughout the course of this game, which is nuts. Um, that at that point, that was the Ravens go ahead after the Rams go ahead. <laughs> so that was the Ravens own go ahead response at that point. Um, and I, I just want to be clear, like that was, that was probably one of the toughest plays of the year. If you're the defense to have that happen to you, um, it, it was multiple things are true. Um, the Rams, Sean McVay and the Rams defensive players I talked to in the locker room post game said that they were in the right call for the play and it just, it, the execution just wasn't quite there. And I want to say too, it's not just the secondary, this, this, it was really hard for this group to find a pass rush. And it wasn't just because of the same issues that have popped up all year, uh, which is, you know, that second move after the initial push. Um, it also was because Lamar Jackson is incredible. I mean, you watch that game and the way that he avoided pressure. I mean, Aaron Donald had him at least a couple of times and somehow Lamar was able to just avoid the pressure and then create something downfield. It's it's really hard to ask DBs to cover that long out of structure. And it does lead to, along with execution, I'm not saying it's one or the other. I'm saying it's both, multiple things being true. Um, it's really hard to cover that long. It's also really hard um, when the, you know, against those receivers, that quarterback, um, when those breakdowns happen, if they see one thing, they're going to try to exploit those things. Um, and, and that's just, I mean, that's just, that's pure football when you have talented players. Um, and the Ravens certainly have talented players on their offense. Um, that third and 17 though, that was really tough. Um, that pass rush was, uh, was, was hard to watch at points because even when he didn't have to move, there were some times just like against Joe Flacco, uh, two weeks ago, there were times where he just had this sort of ability to just like kind of casually scan the field. That was tough. I think Kobe Turner particularly popped in terms of some of the pursuit pressure that he got on Lamar. Um, he forced a couple throwaways, Aaron Donald forced to throw away. Aaron Donald also was the reason why they got a safety because uh, you do not want Aaron Donald getting to that football. So, of course, you kick it out of the back of the end zone. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen that. I'd seen safeties, but not that happened that way. <laughs> so um, that was new. And then, again, I want to reiterate, like, Lamar Jackson is an MVP, a top MVP candidate this year. And, and he, even if it, the throws weren't always, like, you know, perfect, which you can't expect a perfect game from, from any quarterback in the league, but the way that he could create the way that he could push the ball down the field, the way he found his receivers, his connection with Odell Beckham really popped this game, his connection with Zay flowers, um, especially on some of the outer structure stuff, the way that he could find like that pinpoint place to, to put the ball, which was that third and 17. Um, and then when you can't really have a threatening pass rush, and also they threw the kitchen sink at Aaron Donald. Now, I, I think it's like every other game where you're going to hold Aaron Donald all game. I mean, that's just how it goes. He's used to it. Um, it. It doesn't mean it's right or fair, but if you're, you know, it's that it's just we're all used to seeing it, right? You're just going to hold Aaron Donald. But at the same time, um, they threw so many different types of blockers at him and particularly focused so much attention on him. I think having Michael Hoyt a little bit banged up and Byron Young, a little bit banged up coming into the game, hurt the Rams in terms of um, if other guys 
have one-on-ones, you have to win those one-on-ones. Every game, almost every game they've lost this year, and even some of the games they've won, it has become so clear how important it will be to find more help, not just on the outside, but on the interior. Um, I thought Bobby Brown had a fantastic game. He left with an injury for a second. Um, We never got an update from Rams PR uh, about what that was or Ravens press box announcement uh, of what that was, but he did come back in the game and uh, immediately had a tackle for loss. Um, So he made his presence known and felt, like I said, Kobe Turner had an amazing game. And I just can't get over the quarterback play because I know I've spent some time here gushing about how amazing Lamar Jackson was. I mean, every time he had the ball, you just kind of were like holding your breath. But then on the other side, Matthew Stafford was was also having an extraordinary game of a few extraordinary games that he's had this year. And again, like I said, you're, you're going to hear a lot of people over the next you know couple of days sort of rediscover Matthew Stafford. But let's not forget, guys, he's been doing this all year. His statistics were incredibly lopsided pre-buy, especially his simple statistics in terms of what the numbers looked like versus what he was actually doing with the football. And we joked about this all year that, um, I mean, he's led the league all year uh, in top five, top 10 and big time throws all year. Um, but we've also kind of joked about like skinny Stafford. Um, he says it stands, uh, it's not skinny Stafford. The S stands for, uh, uh, let's see, scared Stafford. because it's like he's running from pressure (laughs) Um, when he's on the move. We we refer to skinny Stafford in terms of, um, oh, that guy can move a little bit better than I remember. And and last year, there's a lot of different things that went wrong, obviously, but he's moving better, but also the Rams are moving his pocket around in different ways. Um, He is able to create a little bit more than I've seen since he's been here in terms of he's always had every arm angle in the book. He can always do the the fakes with his eyes and the no looks and the sidearms. And he's got all of the the shoulder angles that he can uh, fake with and and the hips and all that stuff. But in terms of of creating on the move, um, we've seen that a little bit more from him week over week and particularly saw that um, yesterday. We'll get to that in a minute on on one specific example. But um, he made some throws that I could not, I mean, they were just unbelievable. Um, the, the touchdown to Demarcus Robinson, that was a scramble drill touchdown. Um, that was him really connecting with a savvy veteran player, um, who was finding space as Matthew Stafford was also finding space. Um, it just was such an, you know, two different eras because Matthew's like what, 35 and, and Lamar's still, still a young player, two different eras of quarterbacks um, who both do different things, but both throw the ball extraordinarily well and just was really fun watching them manipulate, you know, leverages and and find different um, contours to put the ball in. And just, it was really, um, I think we're going to be talking about this game in terms of top quarterback play. I think beyond this week, beyond next week, beyond this season, this was one of the best dually quarterbacked games that um, I think that I've seen in a long time. They just, there was a, this time, this point in the fourth quarter where it just felt like they both just decided to take the game over and, and play that sort of tug of war back and forth because you had, you know, the Rams go ahead and then the Ravens have that dagger. Oh man, that backbreaking third and 17 play. And, and let me be clear, guys, that can never happen. Okay. <laughs> Against, 
you know, Lamar Jackson or, you know, the 16th quarterback on an injured team that's playing like it just it can't happen. Right. It just can't. So nobody's excusing that or excusing the explosive touchdowns, including they were all wide open. I mean, there was so much space. It was Odell getting behind the defensive backs. It was, um, uh, gosh, now his name's slipping me, uh, on the left side, that first touchdown that they had wide open on the left side, that was the most separation a receiver has had on a Lamar Jackson touchdown throw all year, according to ESPN. Um, That was a breakdown. There was Zay Flower. You know, it just was, you can't, it just can't happen, right? And and um, John Johnson spoke with me and uh, Gary Klein with the Los Angeles Times after the game and just said, you know, they know what went wrong and they have to be on their screws and they have to uh, tighten those things up. But the good thing is, is they know exactly what went wrong so that they can go and fix those things. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Between some breakdowns in the secondary, um, it was really hard to find a pass rush and play cohesive football in that regard. And then Lamar Jackson and his incredible pocket movement, some really talented receivers. Um, But still, outside of those explosives, I thought the Rams defense played really well. Um, And that all sort of manifested in the most crucial moments, which in overtime, they held the Ravens to a three and out to begin that period. Um... And then you see what happens after that. Sean McVay said the the coaches counted six missed tackles in their coaches' film review, which is the breakdown that they have. So they know it, it's it can be a little bit different than when you're looking at like Pro Football Reference, and and which they do a great job. But it, it can be a little different because you know what is if you're the coach, you know what is supposed to happen on the specific play and where the tacklers are supposed to be. So they also count those in missed tackles. So if you're looking at the, on tape, just a glance, um, you know, as, as a, just like a non-coach person or a non-football player who's in that building, you look, oh, three or four missed tackles. No, they counted six missed tackles in their film review. And then obviously we all saw it missed block in the back call, um, on the return. That was, that was just, that's an awful way to lose a game. I think you can be really, again, again, guys, this was the multiple things are true game. This is like right on brand for the podcast. Um, I think you can be really impressed with how their kicking game was behind Lucas Hevrisik, uh on Sunday because that kid thought that he was going to lose his job by the, at the start of the week. And they even signed a true veteran kicker to the practice squad. And then it was like open, made openly abundant um, via the insiders that he was going to be elevated. So it was kind of like a foregone conclusion. And then Sean McVay said, um, oh, well, we won't likely elevate him. But then they ended up elevating him. And you can go read my column. McVay talked about the weirdness of that uh, in the um, in his postgame press conference on Sunday. But Havrisic thought that he was going to lose his job. But you still have to go out and kick and practice. And so he went, according to McVeigh, he went and and treated it like a kicking competition and was the better kicker in practice this week, kicked really well, ended up 
regaining the the active job for Sunday in the rain, like it was raining sideways there at, at one point. I mean, it was the, it was soggy in Baltimore. Also, incredible environment, by the way. Like that is one of my favorite places to cover a game ever. Um, not only are we almost right down on the field in the press in the press box, it's the only NFL stadium that still has a press box that close to the field. And then also just the the fans are incredible. They're loud. They show up in any conditions. Like it just, it's so much fun. It's an outdoor stadium. It's a grass field. It's like, it's, it's totally, there's like, and you know, you guys know me, I've got like a little bit of a dark, uh, a dark sense of humor. Like, and I love, you know, my, my Gothic, uh, illusions and allegories and like they're, they lean into it. You know, there's Ravens everywhere and like kind of just like this charcoaly type of uh, of graphic that they use. And it's just it, it like, you know, ash crumbling. Like it's just really um, I loved it. I, I love that atmosphere. It was really fun. You could tell that the Rams weren't phased by it, which is good because that's a really young team and that's a hard place to play um, other than the delay penalties and those kinds of things, which I will get to in a minute. I asked Sean McVay about this stuff. Um Though that was just, it was so, um, it was a really to, to be a kicker and you are, you've already got the weather factor and the wind and the rain. And, um, you're, you know, that if you do anything wrong, there's this guy on the roster who has been in the league forever, who has a proven track record, who is just waiting to take your job. Um, and, to go out there and not only did uh, Havrisic hit the game-tying field goal, but also hit a 51-yarder earlier in the game. I mean, the kid can stay in my book. So you're really happy about that. You're happy with that phase. You're really unhappy that you lost this game on a punt return walk-off. Like, that's that's terrible. The Rams are number 32 in special teams DVOA. This has to get fixed. They aren't actually even experiencing as much of the churn in that phase as they were last year because they are less injured. So if you take away the kicker, which has been a total carousel, carousel, let's be clear, um, that hasn't been perfect um, or even great throughout the the majority of the season. So, But remove that part of it and look at just their return and coverage phases. You haven't seen the type of churn that they even had last year because so many players were getting injured last year that it was like you met new people on special teams like every three days because so many people had to come in off the street and then you were – Fix, you know, the, the bottom of your roster was was switching back and forth and then your starters were lost. So then you lost some of your core special teamers because they were filling in for the start. I mean, it was crazy. You just need some consistency with this group this year. And I think everybody knew that you're coming in. You have a new coordinator in Chase Blackburn who, you know, he, I, I think that they really appreciate the energy and the consistency that he brings to the staff. But at the same time, that I mean, you you've got a rookie on every uh, or an inexperienced player in every um, specialist position. You've got a lot of rookies playing special teams. You know, I thought it was interesting that McVeigh didn't just bring up the um, the punt return touchdown that was that was uh, just a killer for them. But also, there was that instance where. Um, it was the punt was going to be down at the one, but the player who downed the punt stepped on the goal line, which led to a touchback. So that's that's just killer. If you have the field position um, and you are able to pin and and, and like it, some of it too is like you've got a, a punter with a crazy leg, and you have to understand the, how to get down the field and, and cover. 
um, because you're not going to tell your punter to stop kicking it deep, right? So it's kind of like there's all these layers and, and contours and blocking um, patterns and all kinds of things that that are happening on um, on that unit. And the missed tackles have just they've just showed up tackling angles and um, it's just they've just showed up week after week. Again, this is this is a group that's 32nd in DVOA in a game where every detail was absolutely going to matter. Um, it just can't happen. And, you know. Asking Sean McVay about special teams today, he he said, you know, pleased with the way that their kicking unit's taking shape, but the, the thing is, is their punt coverage and their punt return has to be better. Austin Trammell, who actually I think has been solid at punt return, he muffed two yesterday, and they were lucky that they fell on them before any damage could be done. Um, the foot on the field, or the foot on the goal line was bad. And then obviously losing that way, that just, that just kills you losing that way. Um, with this group, luckily, what I think is genuine is they have this um, real appreciation for each other and they will stick together and they will um, learn from it. But at the same time, I mean, just poor angles. The block in the back was was killer, obviously, and that was a huge miss, too, because ending a game that way is not great. Um, the officials in the National Football League this year are not bathed in glory, um, but uh, that's an ongoing conversation with, I think, many, if not most teams throughout the league week to week. Um, so but but, um, you know, it's one of one of many things that went wrong in that play. And you have to remember, too, the missed tackles. I mean, you miss tackles that way. You're still putting them in a good position to um to give the ball back to anyone, the next score won at that point. And they have Justin Tucker, a kicker, right? So basically, like, you can't allow a return. You cannot have a returnable ball um, or, or a coverage unit that's allowing a returnable ball because any field position you give Justin Tucker, I mean, he he's he is the kicker, right? So it's just, it's, it's a tough sitch all around. Um, I wanted to get into, before I get to a couple of highlights that I really appreciated and wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to talk about the, let's see, the headset stuff. Um, oh, by the way, um, everything that happened in overtime for the Rams could not have been more opposite than their game tying drive. Matthew Stafford and the receivers, um, set up that field goal with a minute 16 to play. And you could kind of feel like this doom settling in, on the third down there, um, they ended up going for the field goal, the game time field goal, instead of the go ahead, the, the late go ahead touchdown. There was uh, a timeout. They they called their final timeout um, at you know kind of the end of that ultimately game tying drive. And Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford both said on Sunday night that they were having some issues with the headset throughout the game. So this happened twice including on that drive before they took their third and final timeout. And then you saw Baltimore take a timeout and then you kind of saw, I mean, I don't have to relitigate. You saw everything that happened after that. That was kind of where everything started to teeter, you know? Uh, and um, at first when you hear it, you think, oh, so there was an issue, a malfunction with the headset. But Matthew Stafford indicated that it was more so like a clarity issue than a volume issue or a technical issue. Um, when I clarified with him post game. So I asked Sean McVay directly about the headset issues today, Monday, just trying to figure out what actually happened. Um, because I think there's, there's 
And I think it's rightful criticism sometimes. And other times it's like, well, we don't know the full story. Um, there's this sense that maybe Sean McVay gets the play in super late. Sometimes that has happened. They've had delay penalties or he's had to burn a timeout because he hasn't gotten the play in or they've seen something and they've wanted to change the play. And then um, it's too late in the in the the, the play clock to um, get that situated. And um, sometimes sometimes that's happened. So that's I'm not discounting that at all. Um, but in this case, it was interesting. He was more specific than I thought he was going to be. And this is what he said um, about those those two instances I'm not talking about the delay penalty. I will talk about that in a minute. But these were the two instances, including on that final drive, right before they took their their last time out. He said, just simply put, Matthew couldn't understand what I was saying in terms of the actual play call. That actually happened twice yesterday. It might have been the way that it was going through his headset because it was the same play call that I was trying to get to. So he's saying he's trying to get to the same play call both times. And both times it was a communication issue or a, a clarity issue or something happened with the headset. But no matter what, whether it's the headset going out or whether he's not hearing it, it's a communication issue. That's one of the things that I think we've taken some pride in. That was one of the things that I did think hurt us a little bit yesterday, not exclusive to offense, but just overall. That always starts with coaching. That's where in one of the main after action reviews, you talk about, hey, how can we eliminate these things? How can we do a great job of eliminating any gray creating clarity, being better with the decisiveness and the understanding of exactly what we're hunting up so that these guys can go and play and go execute to the best of their ability. Those are the things that really bother you as a coach because you know you want to have a better influence than some of those instances yesterday. Our guys will respond the right way, and I know we will too. So obviously, if you heard Matthew Stafford, he said, I just got to hear him better. Um, I couldn't understand what he wanted on the play. I'm I'm lightly paraphrasing, but he Matthew said, I've got to hear him better. So clarifying with with Sean McVay, I think, was important because it's like what was actually happening? Was it a timing thing or was it a technical thing or was it a communication thing? And um, so I I did think that the specificity there was was helpful. Um, You you obviously don't want to burn timeouts. Um, you obviously don't want to, when you have all of this rhythm and you've got them on their heels, you don't want them to have a, t- a chance to reset if you're in that situation. Um, so yeah, that's, that's not great. But, um, like I said, multiple things being true, you also want to have clarity, or I would hope that if you're a fan of this team, you'd want to have clarity versus being very mad online. Uh, if you'd rather be mad online, also fine. It's your life, your choice, but if you do want more clarity, um, this is uh, this was. I just thought it was interesting because it kind of goes to show that a million things, different things, could be the cause of some of those burn timeouts, which are not good, guys. I'm t- I'm not excusing them. Please hear me. I'm not excusing burning timeouts or or stoppage or anything like that or or any of it. I'm just saying there are many different reasons why it can happen. Um, and then the other one that I really wanted to ask him about today was um, the. Um, the delay penalty. I mean, that was, that was a killer. And so that delay penalty in overtime, it set up a third and nine, and then that changes your call sheet. Right. And then Davis Allen had the drop, but you basically turned it. You almost can't really blame him for that because you, you basically had that play turn from a high probability play. It was like, uh, and four to a low probability play third and nine. And you have a second and four and, um, you know, you have like this, 
very manageable down and you have an open play sheet and then you, it turns to a third and nine and you have a very unmanageable down and then a, a tighter play sheet because that limits what you're able to do or what you are able to call. You obviously have to protect the ball in that area of the field too because an interception there sets up the field goal. You know, it's all kinds of things that go into it. So here's what Sean McVay said about that delay of game penalty. He said, we were running a motion snap point play. You're on your silent cadence at that point. They had a certain look based on what they were going to present pressure-wise where the back was up in the right side A-gap. Our right guard was looking back for the second indicator. He got his eyes back, not nearly enough for that second indicator to re represent Coleman Shelton snapping the ball. We just kind of lost track of time right there, and that's a communication. And then he stopped himself. He said, all of those things start with coaching. I've got to do a better job, but that was a very surprising one right there for us. It's one we learned from and you hope to never replicate. And it ended up hurting us in that instance right there. This has been pre-snap, especially with this line. They, the line has shown a lot of cohesiveness and the, like not to make light of this, but they're very used to playing on their silent cadence at this point, guys. So um, I think to me, that's kind of my read on it is um, you're not expecting to have that part of the of what you do. Um you know, not work in that moment. So again, not excusing what happened or anything like that, but just providing a little bit more clarity because that is my job. Um, so multiple things being true. We talked about all the bad stuff. Um, let's talk about a few different things. Demarcus Robinson, right? Not just the cat, not just the touchdown in against his old team, by the way, where he thought he was going to be back on this team this year, but instead, um, that, you know, they went another direction and then Demarcus Robinson joined the Rams. Um, there was, I believe, a I think it was a third down. There was a crazy catch from Demarcus Robinson um, near the Ravens sideline earlier in the game. Then he scored a touchdown. What I really liked seeing from him was there was a third and four in the second quarter, and Demarcus Robinson opened up a play for a little catch and run for uh, a little bit more yards after the catch for Puka Nakua because Puka made a great catch, um, one of those classic mid-range shots that Stafford loves to hit him and Cooper cup on. And, uh, Demarcus Robinson opened up some more space for Puka because of a block that he threw on that play. Um, I thought he had an outstanding game. Um, Puka Nakua had one of the sickest catches I've ever seen. Um, it, it just, it, it basically, I don't know how it was like air Puka. I don't know how he got to the catch point on that throw. And Matthew Stafford took an absolute shot on the play. So total trust, just getting the ball downfield, getting the ball to a spot, knowing that something was going to happen. And Puka Nakua made it happen. No gloves, by the way. <laughs> he decided to, to not wear gloves in the rain. Um, and what Sean McVay said he was most proud of with Puka was that he rebounded from an earlier drop. Um, it was an uncharacteristic play. He turned his body and his head before he had the ball. And of course you're going to drop the ball when, um, when that happens, but then rebounding with a catch like that was just, he just seems beyond his years. And he he's, he's continuing to do things that very few players, let alone rookies ever do. Um, so, and playing through a lot of different injuries right now. So, um, it's just, you, you don't, you don't get used to it per se, but every week he does something that kind of reminds you that they really found a special player in the fifth round. Um, Davis Allen, by the way, another fifth rounder. Um, Rams, that's that's their round, guys. <laughs> everyone's got everyone's got a preferred round in the draft, and I think the fifth round's got to be theirs. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about um, before we get to some closing comments, um, 
Cooper Cup had a vintage Cooper Cup game. I mean, he Sean McVay mentioned today that he re-aggravated his ankle. We knew this. He re-aggravated his ankle in the Arizona game, and he has not been 100%. He's openly admitted he's not been 100%. But on Sunday, he had a Cooper Cup, like classic Cooper Cup game. Um, he crossed 100 yards. 100, he had 115 yards, and he crossed the 100 yards mark um, since uh, for the first time since October 15th. And it came in a huge game. It came in all the elements. Um, couldn't have come at a better time for the Rams because it wasn't just that Cooper was producing himself. He was also helping open up different things and create different looks for other players. Um, the floater pass that he caught. Go look at the the detail he has on the catch point. He basically like swipes it away. It reminded me of like um, when you're going for a jump ball, like a basketball, and you rip it away um, to swipe it from the defensive back on, on that game tying drive. Um, his touchdown reminded me. I, I'm not going to have the right words for it, guys, but I'll paint the picture. His touchdown was almost like a condensed, like truncated red zone version of the semicircle dig motion they ran with Puka Nakua in Indianapolis for that huge gain. Um, that's a Matthew Stafford, like through and through total uh, invention. So I don't know. I was a little suspicious that they ran it again. <laughs> they ran it just a, just a shortened field version of it. Um, and then there was another, a catch and run um, where Cooper Cup had uh, some of his classic like moves during the course of the yards after catch where he sort of um, shakes the defensive back a little bit or forces hesitation at different parts in that carry after the catch. Um, that was actually um, a similar concept to that uh, touchdown catch. But you could see Cooper had all the space in the world up that right sideline. And you could see they were playing for uh, the the inside breaking concept because they'd seen it. So um, it was just really interesting. Um, I asked Sean McVay. I mean, it was against different coverages. Don't get me wrong. But I asked Sean McVay if one of them set up the other um, p potentially. And uh, he sort of smirked a little bit. And it was like, well, the way that Cooper can make everything look the same and then different I was like, so, uh, yeah, definitely. That's a little bit of Cooper Cup, like vintage Cooper Cup selling the route a little bit. Um, so it, seeing those two click back into their normal gear, I think has got to be a huge positive for fans. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup both look healthy. Um, now, nobody's healthy this time of year. And certainly, like, recovering on the fly from those two injuries that they've sustained um, and then playing an exhausting and physical and and uh, just like all out game such as Sunday, that's that's got to be tough. That's brutal. Um, so a couple of home games coming up for them. So I'm sure they're happy about that. Puzzling moment of the day for me, uh, nine runs to open the game. They were moving the contact point of the runs around. So they were moving. They were doing a little bit of wide stuff, a little bit of zone stuff, definitely some duo runs. They were really going right up the gut against these linebackers and then changing around some of the stuff that they were doing. They, they would run a, a motion run and then the non-motion run, and they would kind of change up the different leverages and contact points for Kyron Williams. Um, they were mixing up Kyron and Royce Freeman a little bit in the first couple of drives. Um, so nine consecutive runs, I think it was like 67 yards on nine consecutive runs. Then three consecutive failed passes out of shotgun at the Baltimore nine-yard line. Okay. No, not not clicking for me. Um, then the next drive, more shotgun pat. So I I mentioned this on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, at the time where I was like, they're not. It doesn't seem like they're they're 
there's much variety in, in what they're doing in terms of not not the route concepts or the contour, but but the um, the pocket movement. Now, I will say later in the game, they really started moving the pocket. Um, that screen and ke- that catch and run up the, the right sideline I was talking about with Cooper, that was a play-action motion combination. Um, that was a really, really well-designed play. They started moving Matthew Stafford's pocket. Obviously, he was creating himself. Um, it's just that opening, that scripted drive. You love to see those nine runs. I mean, this was going to be such a huge game. Those linebackers are two of the best in the league. And that defense is so multiple and so smart and really well coached. And, you know, those selling those linebackers was going to be the important thing, especially because the Rams are running more the most duo now of really any team in the league, which is all about opening up the block and then selling the running back, selling the linebacker on some on space or move or whatever. And it's hard to do with these guys. They're they're very, very talented linebackers. And you didn't have Tyler Higby, who was able to cause some of that disguise and misdirection because of the sift and ex- escort motions that he's running on those duo plays um, and, and and opening up different space. And then the other, the rookie tight end, uh, Davis Allen, and then Hunter Long, they, they were both doing that pretty well. Um, but it, it was going to be a huge plot line to watch. And then they come out and they run nine times in a row and they're productive and they're moving the sticks and they're creating advantageous down in distances and... It's going, and then all of a sudden you see Matthew Stafford drop back in the gun. And so it just was, you know, it's <laughs> you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, I called it, I think, whiplash, call sheet whiplash in my column. Um, but you know, it, it's one of those, it's one of those things. It's it's not the only thing, it's one of a few things, and then multiple things being true. There's a lot of good stuff that happened in that game, too. I think overall, you guys know I'm a half full person, not a half empty person, and I just think. It is so impressive what this team has done over the last uh, two weeks against these top defenses um, and and sort of made the statement that nobody wants to play them. Now, that's not me being overly rah-rah. Like, that's a fact. People do not want to match up against this football team. Um, The way that they're running the ball when they stick with it, um, the way that Matthew Stafford is playing, Cooper Cup kind of being back to himself, Puka Nakua, Demarcus Robinson emerging as like a true – uh, three slash four for them and, and, a, and a threat. Um, they they seem to never run out of tight ends, even when they're out of tight ends. Um, all of these different things that, you know, the defense is up and down, but, you know, overall, over the last four weeks, this defense has played really well. So um, through and through, this is a team that other teams do not want to face, and they don't necessarily control their own destiny at this point, but you have to you have to believe that um, if they have even a glimmer, uh, if, if they've got, if they end up making it into the postseason, nobody wants to draw them on the schedule. So, um, that's saying something, particularly I sent out this post when they went into overtime, I said, the Rams and the Ravens are tied 31, 31, 31 points on the best one. I think the best defense in the NFL, 31, 31 heading into overtime, raise your hand if you would have believed that sentence at the beginning of the season. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they finish out. They close out these last four games and, and certainly going to be important the manner in which they do that. Um, but you're you're seeing what they've been building. You're seeing sort of, I don't want to say the start of something because we've seen this all year. Uh, the, the, even if the execution hasn't been there, the theory has been apparent. I've said this many times. Um, but now you're sort of starting to see, all right, this is it. This is that last stretch where you got to do everything you can. And, um, and I think it's going to be fun. So 
With that, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of 11 Personnel Solo Edition. I will be back next week. I do think I get Rich Hammond back next week. I'll have to confirm with him, but um, that obviously means the Rams are going to run it 100 times against Washington (laughs) because it's a Rich Hammond week next week. Um, Meanwhile, I hope you guys are staying caffeinated. I hope you're staying hydrated. I hope you're staying healthy and looking out for each other. Hope you're taking care of yourselves and each other. Catch you next time. (music) 